0: Um, so our scripture reading today is found in Deuteronomy, um, so if you'd please stand with me where I read um, our verses for today. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen, just as you desired of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly when you said, Let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God, or see this great fire any more, lest I die. And the Lord said to me, they are right in which they have spoken. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And whoever will not listen to my words that he shall speak in my name, I will myself require it of him. This is God's word, it is true, and it is given out of his love. You may be seated. Amen. Thanks, Kylie. Well, it's great seeing you all again this morning, so that happy Advent, this is the second week of Advent, and if, if you are uh, following along with our Advent devotional, we're, we're all reading a, an Advent devotional every day in December together as a church, and we're, we're all committing to this practice of scripture before phone every morning, uh, before, uh, before, when you wake up reaching for the Bible before you reach for your phone, those things are something we're trying to do together as a church family. If you haven't started those, it's not too late to jump in, just want to give one last little encouragement or plug there. Uh, so th- this uh, morning is the second week of Advent technically, but for us it's going to be the first week of our Advent preaching series. And so we're going to go through a a three-week series on Jesus as our prophet, priest, and king. And we're going to look at the identity of Jesus and how that should shape our view of Christmas. So uh, it's a little bit strange as a, a preacher every year when I'm trying to prepare a message for the Advent season because it's, it's hard to keep the suspense. You know, it's like, spoiler alert, Jesus is born and he's God. I don't know if you've heard that before or not. It's like, like a twist ending you didn't see coming kind of thing. Uh, but the reason we do an Advent series every year is because we always need to be reminded, I mean, really on a weekly basis, we need to be reminded who Jesus is and what he has done and the significance of his identity. And so every year for Advent, we look at this topic of the, 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 the incarnation, Jesus coming to earth from a slightly different angle. And so that looking at it from this different angle... we'll we'll be able to celebrate a different aspect of what it means for Jesus to be our Savior. And so the reason it's important for us to do this at this time of year is because during December, Jesus is everywhere and nowhere all at the same time. So he's, he's everywhere in that like there, there's uh, manger scenes with baby Jesus and it's people say Merry Christmas and Christmas has Christ's name in it and, and the, uh, the Christmas wars aside, most Americans are somewhat familiar with the idea that, that Christmas is about the birth of Jesus. It'd be hard to grow up in the Western culture and, and be shocked to hear that Christmas has something to do with the birth of Jesus. But the reason I say he's nowhere is because it's really easy to leave Jesus just in a manger as a baby, tucked in the corner, and not really appreciate the significance of what it means for Jesus to be the son of God incarnate that God himself taking on flesh coming uh, as our prophet priest and king who will one day rule and reign and judge all of the universe as the creator of the universe that that second idea that Jesus is all of those things is much more offensive and hard to, to swallow for our world than the idea of Jesus as a baby is so I don't know if you guys have seen the old Will Ferrell movie Talladega Nights has anyone seen that I can't, you're a horrible sinner. I can't believe you would admit that in church. <laughs> My gosh. That, that, no, actually. So in that movie, there is a scene where uh, the, the main character, Will Ferrell, prays to little baby Jesus. And he says, dear, sweet baby Jesus. And they're playing it for jokes. But the, the point is, is well made, I think. That if you pray to baby Jesus, if you think of Jesus only as a baby, he is not very threatening, he is not at all offensive, and he's easy to dismiss if you don't want to have to deal with him okay but if you look at jesus as he is presented in scripture if you look at him as the king of the universe it's much harder to ignore him and so what we're going to do for these next three weeks is look at jesus as our prophet our priest and king and see how those three that threefold title of jesus should shape uh how we view christmas We're, we're not gonna we're not gonna ignore jesus as a baby but the significance of jesus as a baby increases greatly when we understand what it means for him to be our prophet priest and king so let's say a word of prayer and then we'll get into our study of the word Heavenly Father, I thank you for this morning and the fact that, uh, that this time of year does come where we can uh, pause and take a, a break from the busy schedule and all the holiday preparations and focus on what it means for you to be God in the flesh, for you to have been, been born 2,000 years ago, for you to really have walked the earth uh, and not just stayed a baby, but grown into a man who obeyed your Father perfectly who spoke his word truly uh, and who died an atoning sacrifice for our sins on the cross. And I pray that, that uh, in light of this uh, holiday season, all the joy and celebration that it brings, that we would be standing at the point of Christmas, but we would always keep an eye towards the cross and how the cross uh, is, shapes the way that we view uh, this season. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I mean, all right. So, so today, this morning is going to be much more of a like kind of a, a head-oriented thing. We're we're trying to shape our thinking about Jesus as Jesus as the prophet, priest, and king. And so, this uh, this idea, the threefold office of Jesus, actually originated uh, in, well, it's in Scripture, but it originated this teaching with a fourth-century church father named Eusebius, uh, and then it was really really fleshed out a lot more in the 16th century with John Calvin, uh, the, the Protestant reformer. And so, Calvin says this about this idea of Jesus as prophet, priest, and king. He says, "'Among heretics and false Christians, Christ is found in name only. But by those who are truly and effectually called of God, he is acknowledged as a prophet, king, and priest.'" And the reason that that's important is because I think this idea of acknowledging Christ in name only is a very good picture of what most Americans, how most Americans view this season. Like everyone will tip their hat to Jesus. We know that somehow Jesus is related to Christmas, but we don't really worship him as the prophet, priest, and king. The the same idea of of the threefold office of Jesus is picked up in the the Westminster Shorter uh, Catechism, uh, which is kind of an organizing document for for several denominations, particularly Presbyterians. So if you're a Presbyterian in the house, say amen, Westminster Catechism, which is kind of an ironic thing because there's no one that's more uncomfortable saying amen than a Presbyterian. That's a little <laughs> denominational joke there. So, but then the Westminster uh, question thir- 23 says this, What offices does Christ fulfill as our Redeemer? Christ, as our Redeemer, fulfills the offices of a prophet, of a priest, and a king both in his estate of humiliation and in his exaltation. So Jesus is prophet, priest, and king, both in his incarnation when he was, uh, humiliation means leaving heaven, coming to earth, taking on flesh as a baby, but also his ascension and his resurrection and going, he's ruling and reigning now in these three offices of prophet, priest, and king. And so this idea doesn't come just from the reformers or our, our catechism, it comes from scripture itself. You look at Hebrews 1, excuse me, Hebrews 1, 1 to 3, the author says, long ago at many times and in many ways, After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. And so this is where we, we get the, the threefold office of Jesus. We see, see the prophet, priest, and king. So a prophet is, is uh, someone who speaks the word of God to the people. A priest is someone who represents the people to God. And then a king is someone who rules over the people of God. And in these verses, we see the, uh, the idea that God has spoken to us by his son. That's the role of prophet. God speaks through Jesus as our prophet. Uh, he says that he um, upholds the universe by the word of his power. Upholding the universe is, is ruling and reigning as the king of the universe and it says that after making purifications for sins he sat down at the right hand of god and purification is a priestly role so what we're going to do over the next three weeks is just look at each of these and see how how jesus of these three offices shape how we view jesus as uh the, the child who was born on christmas and, and the reason it's important to do this is because if you separate who jesus is uh from what he he has done it, it makes the message not as impactful Okay, so if I, if uh, my identity as just a regular citizen, if I go down to Canyon City and go into the prison there, uh, the Supermax, and I, I find a prisoner and I say, you are pardoned, you're free to go, my words mean nothing because my identity is just a regular everyday citizen. Okay, but if the president goes down to the Supermax and finds a prisoner and says, I pardon you, you are free to go, it means a completely different thing to that person because the identity, the authority that he would carry with his office changes the impact that his words have. So when we talk about Jesus being born in a manger, a a baby is is easy to dismiss and ignore unless you understand that the identity of that baby is the prophet of God, the priest that we need, and the ruler of the universe, the king of the the universe. And so this morning what we're going to do is we're going to look at that first office, Jesus as our prophet. Uh, And the Westminster uh, Confession continues on this way in question 24. It says, how does Christ fulfill the office of a prophet? The answer, Christ fulfills the office of a prophet in revealing to us by his word and spirit the will of God for our salvation. And so what we're trying to do is see that, that once you understand Jesus as the prophet of God who is speaking the words of God to his people it changes how we're going to view Jesus as the baby in the manger. So, so the first thing we want to start with is, is why do we need a prophet? Okay, Why do we need someone to speak to us the words of truth? And, and the reason is that uh, this is a very really key doctrine of Christianity. If you understand the greatness of God, he has to Condescend; he has to bring himself down to our level in order for us to understand anything about him. Okay, without a prophet, without someone bringing the word of God to the people, it's impossible for us to understand who God is. Uh, um, I thought of it this way: There's I have a, a friend who is an aeronautical physics professor. Okay, and talking to him is a complete waste of time because I cannot understand anything he's talking about unless he condescends to my level and speaks on a level that I can understand, draws a lot of pictures, uses a lot of illustrations, those kinds of things. And so, so when the Bible talks about God bringing the word to us, that's what God is doing. He's saying that God in his exalted state, he is so magnificent and wonderful and holy that he is so other from us. He's so different from us. There's no way we can understand who he is if he doesn't descend to our level and speak in a way that we can understand. So that's our our smallness, our our finitude is why that's hard to understand. The second reason we need a prophet to come speak to us from God is because our sin blinds us, it darkens us, it, it, it keeps us from understanding who God is. Paul says it this way in Ephesians 4 he says, Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. Harry's using Gentiles to refer to people who are far from Christ. He says that they're walking in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of hearts. If you look at all those words in yellow up there, those all point to the, the problem of sin. Okay, sin is not just something we do. Sin changes the way we think. It changes the way we see. And sin brings us trapped in darkness so that we can't see the light of who Jesus is because of the sin that we have that is blinding our eyes. It's making our minds futile, unable to understand who it is that, that God is. And that, this is what the prophet Isaiah says in Isaiah 9. This is a famous Christmas passage. He says, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. Okay, so, so it's the darkness of our existence. It's the darkness of living apart from God is why we need a prophet to come illuminate our minds, to open our eyes to see the light of who Jesus is. That's why this Advent season, light is always a big deal with Christmas because the, this idea of a candle lighting in the darkness, the, the light o- always overcomes the darkness. Okay, I heard it explained this way once. If, if you're in a dark room and you open a door to a, an area that has light in it, it's the light that always comes into the dark room. Okay, darkness never goes spilling out into the light. The light always comes into the darkness. That's God coming to bring us the truth of who he is. Okay, but if you are here and you are, are, wouldn't consider yourself a Christian, you're not sure about this whole following God thing or what this whole religion thing, talking about a prophet seems like a really uh, religious mumbo-jumbo, something that we don't need to bother with or pay attention to. But the truth is we all have prophets that we look to for authority. So a prophet is someone that we look to to say the way that things are. We're all looking to understand the world. We all have worldviews that put, give us a framework for understanding the way the universe works. And we all have different prophets based off of our worldview that says this is how you can find truth. This is what it means to look for truth. So, so if you're here and you think that the scientific method is the best way to find truth, that means that you're pursuing the universe through this lens of, a, of science saying that if science can demonstrate it to me, then it must be true. Okay? In that sense, the scientific method is your prophet. But if the scientific method is your profit, if that's where you look for truth, you're ignoring this whole aspect of our existence, like our rationality, things that can't be tested or seen. There's this metaphysical aspect to the universe that if, you're, if your prophet is science, you're going to miss out on a lot of the universe. Okay, some, some people's prophets is politics. Okay, they, they want to, to frame their worldview on this, this, this idea of conservatism or liberalism or libertarianism or something that says, this is how the world works. If people do these things, they're go- we're all going to be fine. But if your, if your uh, profit is politics, you're going to find that it never actually works out in the end. Everyone that tries to grab power, it never brings about the utopia that they're always promising us. Other people, we look to entertainment or celebrities for our profit. We say that their picture of what the good life is, these celebrities who have all the money and all the attractiveness and all the power in the world, those people are the ones who really know what it means to live the good life. Okay, but, but if that's your prophet, if that, if that magazine cover is your standard of truth, you have a hard time explaining why it is that so many of those people live such depressed and meaningless lives. Why, why every time they talk about deeper things going on in their hearts, they always seem to be, be uh, looking for significance and looking for meaning in their lives. The point of this is no matter who you are or where you come from, you, we all look to a prophet to tell us how the world works. And so what what the the message of Christianity is, is that God, as the creator of the universe, if he's the one that made all of this in the first place, then it's his truth that we're actually longing for. It's his reality that we actually need to understand. And so, so a prophet in the Bible is someone who is empowered by God with the actual words of God to speak the words of God to us to bring the light of his truth into the darkness of our minds. That's what a prophet is in the Bible. We we see this reflected in in Amos chapter 3. This is is an awesome passage. He says, For the Lord God does nothing without revealing his secret to his servants, the prophets. The lion has roared, who will not fear? The Lord God has spoken, who can but prophesy? Okay, so, so God speaking is the roar of a lion. A prophet is someone who takes that roar of the lion and proclaims it to the people. Yeah, the truth of God is, is a lion's roar, and a prophet is someone who makes us understand what that is. And if you look at the Old Testament, if, if prophecy in the Old Testament is this idea of bringing the word of God to the people, there was no greater prophet in the Old Testament than Moses. So let's look real quickly at Deuteronomy uh, chapter 18. It'll be on the screen behind me if you don't have a Bible. If you do, don't have a Bible, there's ones on the table. Uh, but in Deuteronomy 18, Moses is, is wrapping up his ministry. He has led the people of Israel for 40 years. He went up on top of the mountain. He received the Ten Commandments. He received the law of the Lord, and he took, this, this is the perfect picture of what a prophet is. He went up to the mountain, he heard from the voice of God, and then he went down the mountain to the people and said, this is the truth that God has for us. This is who God is, and as a prophet, he's relaying the message, the truth from God. And so then Moses, now as an old man, he's getting ready to hand off the leadership of Israel to Joshua, his subordinate. He's saying, as I wrap up my ministry, here's some things you need to know. That's what the whole book of Deuteronomy is. But when he gets to Deuteronomy 18, Beginning in verse 15, this is the passage Kylie just read. Listen to what he says. It says, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from among your brothers it is to him you shall listen. So now so as Moses is winding down he's looking forward he's he's prophesying that there will be another prophet who comes that Israel should listen to and this prophet it says is going to be from among you from among your people he's going to be just like the Israelites only he's going to be empowered with the actual words of God verse 16 just as you desired of the Lord your God at Horeb that's where uh, the mountain where the law was given on the day of the assembly when you said, let me not hear again the voice of the Lord, my God, or see this great fire anymore, lest I die. And here he's getting to the reason why we need a prophet. So when Israel came to this mountain, the presence of God was manifest as a, as a pillar of fire on top of the mountain, and the people were so afraid of God speaking, they pulled back from the mountain and said, no, we need someone else to go up there and translate this for us. Because of our sin and our insignificance, we can't approach God in his holiness without being judged. And what God is saying through Moses here is you're absolutely right. Okay, if we try to approach God on our own, our sin is going to bring us guilt into the presence of God and death is what we deserve, which is why we need a prophet to bring us the message down from the top of the mountain. Verse 17, And the Lord said to me, They are right in what they have spoken. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers. And I will put my words in his mouth and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And whoever will not listen to my words, that he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. So, so God's, God's pointing ahead to this prophet and saying that, um, that, uh, that he will have the actual words of God in his mouth, and he's going to be relaying the message of God to the people. And, and what he says here at the end, though, that I want to point out, is notice two different times, he says that he will raise up a prophet from among the people. Okay, it's a singular office. There will be one particular prophet who will come, who will do these things. Okay, but if you look at your Bible, if you, if you hold it up, from where we're at now, so the, the Old Testament, the Jewish people would divide it into the law and the prophets. And the law would go from Genesis through Deuteronomy. But then from Judges all the way through the book of Malachi, all of those books are considered the prophets. Okay, there's, there's dozens of prophets who came after God gave this prophecy through Moses, and they all relayed the message of God to the people. So in one sense, this prophecy is, is fulfilled multiple times through different men who, who would bring the word of God to the people of Israel. But every time they brought the word of God to Israel, Israel never could obey it perfectly. They would, they would always take the truth that had come to them from God, and then they would stray from that truth and wander into the same sin that made the problem in the first place why the prophet came to correct them. So in one sense, all of these prophets in the Old Testament are fulfilling this prophecy. But every time those prophets failed to deliver what it was that Israel actually needed, what it was, was looking forward to this prophecy of a future prophet, a prophet who would come, who would do this perfectly, what Moses had been the type of. So what we see in the New Testament then is that Jesus, instead of just being a prophet to relay a message from God, Jesus, as the great prophet, came to embody the message of God. He fully lived out the truth that God had given to him to bring to the people of God. So when you, look at, when you flip ahead to the New Testament, you see that the, the people of Israel are longing for this prophecy to be fulfilled. Okay, when you talk about the prophet, in the first century mind, the Jewish people knew that there was a prophet coming, and they were longing for that prophet to come and do everything that it was that God said that he would do. And so then when you get to people like John the Baptist, if you look at John chapter 1, verse 21, the, the religious leaders come to John the Baptist because he's having this an influential ministry, and they say, are, are you the prophet? If they don't say, are you a prophet? They say, are you the prophet? And they're referencing back to Deuteronomy 18, and they're wondering if John the Baptist has come to fulfill the prophecy about the prophet who would come, who would make all things change from what they had been before. And what John goes on to do is says, no, I'm not the prophet. I'm just a herald who is proclaiming that the prophet is on his way. He's going to come. And so then if you flip ahead from there a few chapters in John chapter 4, Jesus is sitting down with the Samaritan woman at the well. He has this, this really phenomenal conversation. I wish we could go in more depth into it. But finally, this woman comes to him in verse 25 and says, The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Okay, that, that, that idea, he will tell us all things. She's saying that there is the prophet who will come. And when the prophet comes, he will relay to the people all the truth of God. There'll be nothing left to question or doubt because the prophet will have presented the truth in such a way that we know that he's fulfilling that Deuteronomy 18 passage. And then look at, listen to how Jesus responds to her. It says, Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Okay, this is the first time in the Gospel of John that Jesus actually takes this title of Messiah onto himself, and the thing that triggers it, the, th- the reason that he steps into this and says, yes, I am the Messiah you're looking for, is because she referenced the prophet who was to come. Okay, Jesus is the prophet of God who is bringing the word of God to us. And, and I think of the three offices that we're going to talk about over these next three weeks, prophet, priest, and king, prophet is the one that we ignore the most when it's related to Jesus. It, it, it's more common to think of Jesus as a priest when we do communion every week. We're reminding of that priestly sacrifice that Jesus did for us. When we talk about uh, praying to, when we pray to Jesus, we're recognizing that he's the king of the universe and has the power to, to rule and reign and to answer our prayers. But it's not very often that we think of Jesus as the prophet, as the person who has brought the word of God to us. Okay, but if what we're saying is we want to know, the not, we don't just want a religion that makes us feel nice at Christmas or a thing that kind of uh, uh, checks a box on a survey. What I want when I'm looking for a, a worldview or a religion to uh, align myself with, I want to know that what I'm believing in is actually true. Okay, I, I want to know that the thing that I'm willing to give my life for actually has some truth and some substance to it. And so when every time you long for, to know how things are, every time you want to know what is the truth, what you're really saying is you want a prophet you can trust. You want a prophet, Jesus, who is the prophet from God, who came to bring the word of God to us. And so if we see Jesus as the prophet, instead of just being a baby in a manger that we can tuck in the corner and ignore, we see that he is the one who's going to speak the words that we need to hear. We can't ignore Jesus as the prophet because he's the one who's bringing the word of God to us. And so because of that, it changes how we we view Jesus in in several ways. Let's look at some other verses that reference Jesus as the prophet. The first one we can see is that that Jesus as the prophet speaks the word of God finally. He gives us the final and ultimate truth of how the universe works. Hebrews 1 says it this way, the passage we just read. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. Okay, so the prophets brought words from God. But in these last days, in these final days, Jesus has given the last word on the matter. He has spoken finally and authoritatively because he is a prophet unlike any other prophet that's come before. He is the actual son of God who has come to speak the authority of the prophet. Okay, secondly, we see that, that as Jesus, as the Son of God, speaks the words of God authoritatively, and because of that, we have to listen to God, to Jesus, as he speaks the words of God. In uh, Matthew 17, this is the, the Mount of Transfiguration. Jesus goes up onto this mountain with uh, two of his disciples, and he sees uh, Elijah and Moses come to him, uh, and, and Jesus is transfigured. His disciples get a little preview of who Jesus is in all of his glory, and then a voice from heaven comes. God the Father speaks and says, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased, listen to him. Okay, God himself is endorsing the things that Jesus as his son is saying, saying that if, if you want to know the truth, you have to listen to Jesus. Jesus as the son of God speaks authoritatively as the prophet. Uh, second, thirdly, we see that God, Jesus speaks God's words truly. Okay, in John twelve forty nine, he says, For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the father who sent me has himself given me a commandment, what to do and what to speak. And what he's doing here in John 12 is he's looking back to Deuteronomy 18 saying, I'm not speaking on my own authority. I'm speaking the words that God himself gave me to speak. Okay? If we ignore the words that Jesus is speaking, we're ignoring the actual words of God. And, and we're ignoring what Deuteronomy 18 is saying. If a prophet shows up, he's speaking the actual words of God. And then fourthly, the last thing I want to point out here is if we ignore the words of Jesus, we're ignoring our only hope to find a path to true life. Okay, the very next verse, John 12:50 says, "And I know that this commandment is eternal life. What I say therefore, I say as the Father has told me." The reason he speaks the words of the Father, the reason God Jesus brings the word of God to us is so that we can have eternal life. Okay, when we obey Jesus, when we follow him, when we put our trust in him, we have the eternal life that he's referring to there in the passage. And so if Jesus is the prophet, he's not a baby to ignore in the corner. He is the word of God who has come to us to bring us the truth that is from God. So how do we, how do we live with this? What, what, if Jesus is the prophet, what does it mean for us to understand and to embrace this? The first thing that we do is we need to understand, according to Scripture, is he is still fulfilling that prophetic office today. Jesus is still ruling and reigning as the prophet, priest, and king, which means that he didn't just come to earth in a historical event, live for 30 years, die on the cross, and then leave. He is still speaking the truth of God to us today. If we ignore the words of Jesus today, we're having the same, making the same mistake that the Jewish people would have made in the first century. If you look at John fourteen twenty six, Jesus says it this way, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all the things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Okay, the role of the Holy Spirit is to teach us the very words of Jesus. And so when the Holy Spirit, as a member of the Trinity, as fully God, when he enlivens our hearts and our minds to understand the truth of scripture, what he's doing is he is the instrument through which Jesus is being the prophetic ruler of the universe today. Jesus serves then the office of prophet as the Holy Spirit opens our minds to see who Jesus is as the one who brings truth. And so the way that we do that, how does the Holy Spirit speak? The Holy Spirit speaks to us through Scripture. If you've been around here any length of time, I hope you're, you're sick and tired of us talking about how important the Bible is, because it's something that we cannot ignore. If we ignore the words of God in Scripture, we are ignoring the prophetic word of Jesus as the one who brings God's truth to us. Okay, 2 Peter 1, 21 puts it this way, For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And what Peter's doing is he's referring to Scripture in that passage. He's saying that when when Scripture is written, it's not someone just making up things and saying, I think this is a good way to live your best life now. If you listen to these good ideas, you will have a, a good understanding of how life should work. What Peter is saying is that when you open the Bible, it's the Holy Spirit who has empowered the people who wrote the words to carry the actual word of God. And remember, back to John 14. What words does the Holy Spirit point to? The Holy Spirit points to the words of Jesus when you open the Bible, you are actually participating in seeing the fulfillment of Jesus as the prophetic word of God, the one who brings the word of God to us. And so when we listen to the Bible, we are actually hearing the voice of Jesus as the prophet. When we obey the Bible, we're actually living out the obedience of the prophetic word that Jesus brings to us. And then also, when we share the truth of Scripture, when we, when we pass on the truths of the Bible to other people, we are in the same way, in the same line of Jesus, fulfilling that prophetic office. Okay, Jesus, as the prophet, speaks the words of God. He brings the word of God to us. And as people who have been empowered by the Holy Spirit, our job is to take the, the words of Jesus and take them to other people as well okay? So why is this significant at Christmas? Okay, if this is who Jesus is, if this is the way he made the world to work, if he is the prophet, priest, and king, why at Christmas do we need to understand that Jesus is bringing the words of God to us? I think the reason that's important is because when you talk about the word of God to us, that can be something that's just, it can be either condemning or harmful or judgmental. But when you talk about Jesus bringing the word of God for us, it makes it point us to the salvation that he represents in the manger. So, so Jesus is not only the word of God to us, Jesus is the word of God for us. And those two words are very different. Think about it. If I say, hey, come up here, I have something I want to do to you, you're going to be like, I don't think I want to come up there. But if I say, hey, come up here, I have something I want to do for you, it's a completely different way of looking at the world. Okay, the reason Jesus came to the earth is so that he could be not just the word of God to us, but the word of God for us. Okay, there were was, was many different prophets who brought the word of God to the people of Israel. But it wasn't until the final prophet, Jesus himself, came to the earth as the prophet, fulfilling that promise of Deuteronomy 18, that he embodied the word of God for us. And the reason we know that it's the word of God for us is because Jesus himself is the word of God with us. Okay, John 1.14 says it this way, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Okay, Jesus is the word of God. The spoken truth of God is embodied in Jesus himself who came to bring us grace and truth, the glory of God himself taking on flesh. Okay, and, and that's why Christmas is so significant. That's the reason we want to take these weeks to pause and look at Jesus as prophet, priest, and king because G- God could have just stayed in heaven for all of eternity and shouted down to us what the truth is. He could have just kept relaying messages and relaying messages, but that wouldn't have really changed anything. Hey, the beauty of Christmas is that Jesus wasn't comfortable just speaking the word of God to us. He embodied and lived out the word of God with us, the word of God for us. Tim Keller says it this way. He says, The founders of every major religion said, I'll show you how to find God. But Jesus said, I am God who has come to find you. Okay, and so, and so the, the prophetic word that Jesus brings, the word from God to us, is chiefly, first of all, that we are sinners in need of a savior. Okay, and, and that word of truth, that word from God, is something that's never comfortable to hear. Okay, at Christmas, you don't want to hear about how terrible of a person you are, that you need a Savior. You want to hear that there's this nice baby who's going to make everything sound better. Okay? But Jesus, as the prophet who brings the word, this harsh word that we are facing judgment and we need a Savior, it is such a different message because he brings that message and he's embodied it as he was the word of God with us, as he came to find us in our sin. Okay, would, you, would you rather get a text from a doctor telling you you have a disease or would you rather sit down with your doctor in his office and he can explain to you what it is and what the plan is? Okay, it's, the, it's the physical presence of Jesus that makes the word of God to us such a, a, a sweet thing of salvation instead of just a word of judgment and condemnation. So the last thing I want to end with here this morning then is if we're talking about Jesus as the word of God, we're talking about questions of truth and, and, and worldview, okay? but it's, it's not just truth as in something to understand. The beauty of, of, of Christmas and the beauty of the gospel is that Jesus is truth embodied. Okay, it's not a concept to affirm. It's a person who loves you and is, is for you and demonstrated that for you by coming to earth and taking on flesh. So because of that, we get back to Isaiah 9-2, that passage we read a little bit ago. And, Jesus, and the word of God says, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Okay, Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. And a few verses later, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given. The, the reason Jesus came as a baby in a manger was not so he could just be ignored or dismissed as a child. It's so he could grow into the man who would speak the word of God to us, he would live the word of God with us, and he would always be the word of God for us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for uh, the, the truth of this passage, these passages today. I thank you that we can come to a season like Christmas and we can talk about how uh, you, you have not only spoken truth to us, you have embodied truth for us. I pray that as, uh, as the culture continues to push us towards more and more consumerism and materialism and, and just making Christmas about the, a, a nice little holiday about a baby in a manger, I pray that we would see instead that this is the, the, the beautiful rescue plan that you instituted to come and find us. You're, you, are, you were a baby in a manger, but you are also and will evermore be the prophet, priest, and king of the universe. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, this is your uh, first time here. We're so glad that you're worshiping with us this morning. The reason we sit around tables is so that after we study a section of scripture, we can turn to our tables and we can discuss uh, these ideas we've talked about. So we have a few questions to get us going. Uh, Know that anything you share, you're going to be loved and accepted for that no one will will judge you or think harshly of you. Uh, At the same time, if you're uncomfortable sharing, there's no pressure to share beyond what you feel comfortable with. First question is, how how are you being intentional about focusing on Jesus this Advent season? So what are the things you're doing to remind yourself? Christmas is not just about the baby in the manger. It's about who the baby is and what he represents. Uh, Along with those lines, uh, what are the tangible things you are doing to be intentional with Jesus? And then uh, the last one is, what are the things God is showing you? So, the the thing we want to be leaning into this Advent season is not just going through some religious activities, but it's what is God showing you about Himself? What are you learning and growing through this process? Uh, The second question, or second bullet point up there, is how does Jesus as our prophet impact the way you talk about Christmas with your neighbors? Okay, instead of just thinking about Jesus as a baby, if Jesus is the prophet, prophesied in Deuteronomy 18, how does that change the way you think about Christmas and the way you process Christmas with the people you talk to? And so we'll do this for about 10 minutes, and then we will end with a time of worship. All right, team, let's bring it in. Hope your discussions went well. Um, And and maybe you are unlike me, and you you think of Jesus as the prophet uh, all the time. But for me, this was a a fresh topic. I've talked about this idea of Jesus as prophet, priest, and king before, but I've, I've never really thought through the implications of Jesus as the prophet. What does that mean? And the fact that uh, apart from Jesus coming to bring to us the truth of God, God is so different and other than us that we would, we would never have any capacity or ability to understand what the truth of the gospel is unless he was the one speaking the truth of God to us. But when, well, so far what we've been talking about is all very much a head-oriented approach. We're thinking of Jesus as the prophet, the priest, and the king. But what I want us to make sure that we end with this morning is understand that it's not just Jesus as the one who brings the truth to us. Uh, that That's not the only thing that matters. What matters is that Jesus changes our heart and opens our eyes to see the truth, to experience him as the truth and leads us through his power to turn from our sin and see him as the savior that this uh, prophet uh, was pointing to in Deuteronomy. And so we see why this is important in uh, John 3, verse 19. Uh, it says, and this is the judgment light has come into the world and people love darkness rather than light because their works were evil. So it's not just that Jesus came to bring the truth to us. The truth is that because of our sin, because of our brokenness, because of our rebellion against God, we would rather have darkness than the light. We have all left to our own desires. We have all chosen to align ourselves with the darkness instead of coming to Jesus as the light. So that the truth of Christmas is not just that Jesus is the prophet who speaks the truth of God. He's also the priest who went to the cross, who died in our place for our sins so that our hearts could be changed and we can come to him and worship him as the savior of the universe. Not because we have just on our own come up with this great idea that we can see better if we look to Jesus. It's because Jesus on his own took our hearts of strength Stone and remove them and replace them with a heart of flesh that longs for him, the desires for him to rule and reign in our lives. And so the reason we end every week with communion is because that's the thing we always have to come back to. It's not just, oh yeah, I understand this about Jesus. It's, I understand it because my heart has been transformed. And the way my heart's transformed is Jesus took my sin upon himself on the cross. And so we're going to do what we do every week now. We're going to end with a time of communion. We're, we, we respond to what God has shown us in his word through worship. And so we're going to... We're gonna worship through singing, through uh, praying. If you would like prayer, someone will be in the back corner. I uh, would love to pray for you. And we're gonna we're gonna sing three songs and take of communion. So, um, if you want to stand with me while we do this, there's one other thing we're gonna do to wrap up this morning. Um, I, I mentioned the Westminster Shorter Catechism. There's, there's another catechism called the, the Heidelberg uh, Confession of Faith, and they t- gave that yeah, the same idea of Jesus being the prophet, priest, and king. And so the purpose of a confession is to corporately recite this and and corporately remind ourselves what it is that we believe about Jesus. But the reason we're going to do this question 31 from the Heidelberg Catechism is because it points to the truth of Jesus as prophet, priest, and king. And this Advent season, we're going to be reminded every week of Jesus as those three offices. But then we're going to move on to question 32, the, the one immediately after this one. And in that question of this confession, they ask basically, what difference does it make? If Jesus is those three things, how does that change us? We don't just want to look at Jesus as who he is. We want to then turn and look at our own hearts and see if Jesus is those things, how does it change us in our hearts and how does that change how we approach Jesus? So I'm going to say a word of prayer and then we will recite this uh, confession together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time this morning that we can come to you and, and worship you as our prophet, priest, and king. I pray that over these next three songs, as we partake of communion, as we worship you in singing and prayer and and all the different things that you stir in our hearts, I pray that we would be able to remain focused on the truth of who you are, that you're, you're not just a baby in a manger that we can ignore. You are the prophet from God. You are the priest that we need, and you are the king who rules and reigns over the entire universe. And so as corporately now, as we affirm these truths, I pray that you would work this not just as an understanding from our heads, but you would work it down into our hearts as well. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Why is he called Christ, that is, anointed? Because he is ordained of God the Father and anointed with the Holy Spirit to be our chief prophet and teacher who has fully revealed to us the secret counsel and will of God concerning our redemption. And our only high priest who by the one sacrifice of his body has redeemed us and makes us continual intercession for us with the father and our eternal king who governs us by his word and spirit and defends and preserves us in the salvation obtained for us. But why are you called a Christian? Because I am a member of Christ by faith and thus a partaker of his anointing that I may confess his name. Present myself a living sacrifice of thankfulness to him and with a free and good conscience fight against sin and the devil in this life and hereafter reign with him eternally over all creatures.